Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nick's World of Sports. My name is Nick Sapola. As always, thank you for tuning in. We're up to episode 37 now. We are just flying through episodes here since we've revived the podcast a bit after our hiatus, and there's been a lot of excitement to be talked about. Today's On today's itinerary, there's not too much to talk about. There's some big baseball news. And it's more of another Mets episode, I guess, unfortunately, since the Yankees haven't done much. A lot of other teams haven't really done much right now besides Steve Cohen and the Mets. I don't expect it to be a super long episode at this point. We had some big free agent news today, a couple nights ago. We had some football stuff to talk about. Well, we're not going to talk too much about the games, just uh, certain players. we got to talk about a little bit talk about some episodes in the coming weeks it's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm really excited to talk further with my audience um last few episodes i've been getting a lot of support from it a lot of viewership i appreciate it thank you everyone who's listened and if you're returning from those episodes thank you if you haven't listened yet go back and listen to them there's some of my best work on this podcast the last like 10 15 episodes i've been really happy with how they've been coming out so keep tuning in everyone i really really appreciate it We're going to start off with uh, some baseball news, as we usually do on this podcast. We usually start off with the baseball stuff. We have uh, some big signings that have just been announced. One in particular by the New York Mets that is a really big one that occurred on Saturday at 11.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time per Ken Rosenthal and Andy Martino. The Japanese free agent right-hander superstar Kodai Senga is in agreement with the Mets on a five-year contract worth $75 million pending a physical. No trade clause, no opt-outs. Kodai Senga is a Met for a steal of a price. There are a few things with this signing that I really like. First things first, it shows that Cohen's aggressive and he's going to go out there and get a starter. He wanted another starter. I thought this rotation was going to be fine. I didn't think it'd be great. However, this rotation now... In some people's opinions, kind of looks just the same as last year's, just some sideway movements. You don't have to ground back. Cool. We'll go grab Verlander. Scherzer's still here. Okay, we're going to let Walker walk. <laughs> no pun intended, but okay, cool. We'll go get Jose Quintana. He'll eat innings. We lost Bassett, who's a solid number two starter in this league, a solid starter. Okay, cool. Bassett's going to go play wherever we'll go get Kodai Senga we still have Cookie Carrasco to round out the rotation this rotation is still really good on paper has a couple big question marks on it will Jose Quintana be a good pitcher again will he match his career year he had last year will Justin Verlander hold up I think he will but something to be on the concern of will Scherzer be healthy we don't know is Carlos Carrasco still gonna suck against teams with a above 500 record I don't know either. What does this Senga kid look like? So, Kodai Senga is a 30-year-old Japanese phenom. For reference, Kodai Senga has awesome career numbers. He has a 104-51 win-loss record, which I know a lot of people don't care about. And again, win-loss is a bit of an overrated stat at times, but I think it's still significant to mention. A career ERA of 2.42 over in Japan. This past year, 
he had a 1.89 ERA, a runs allowed per nine, which combines ERA and earned slash unearned runs of a 2.72. He's allowed 90 homers across 11 years in Japan, which is a low number considering in Japan the parks are a little shorter and people just seem to hit tanks all the time over there. He also possesses a career whip of 1.096, a K per nine of 10 on the dot. The one thing that's a little concerning to me is strikeouts to walks. It's 2.92 strikeouts for every walk. Uh, He's got some good pitches. He has some pitches that a lot of people don't see. He's going to be turning 30 at the end of January. And uh, he's had a pretty nice career over in Japan. Some of my concerns about Kodai Senga are very, very simple. Some might see them as silly. I do like the price they got for I think it's about... Five and seventy-five. It's not an expensive deal. That's a better deal than what Boston paid for Yoshida, who is going to be a significantly worse pro than a guy like uh, Kodai Senga. Senga's concerns to me. The first one that jumps out to me, and I didn't realize this. He's thirty years old already, so you're only going to have him pitch for really seven or eight years in the big leagues, where he'll be really effective. Um, there hasn't really been any signs of him slowing down necessarily because his numbers have just gotten better and better over in Japan but I really do not know what the what the move is with him like what the deal is why he's getting super hyped up besides the fact that he's in his prime right now it's not like he's coming over and he's 25 or he's young like Masahiro Tanaka was or Hideo Nomo he's a little bit older which is a good thing, too. He shows some maturity. And a Mets team that wants to win now, this is a guy that can win now for you. Is he a frontline starter in the major leagues? I don't fucking know. He could be. But he also probably won't be because he's from Japan. He's 30 years old. He's never played in the big leagues. We don't know what he has. He has some hype around him, but he's not coming over with the hype that some of the other guys that have come over from Japan, Korea, have had in the past, like a Hideo Nomo, Daisuke Matsuzaka, um, Chimin Wang, even from Taiwan. Like, we don't know, like, what kind of stuff he has. There's another interesting thing that I do want to talk about, my viewers. We haven't seen a really dominant Japanese pitcher in a long time or someone that's put up a lot of big stats. Like, there's a lot of busts, too. That's another concern with the Mets. Masahiro Tanaka never really lived up to the standards because he was 26-0 and in Japan and he was lights out that one year. But there were moments he struggled as a pro. He had Tommy John, which kind of zapped a year from him. He struggled a bit at times. He was a great playoff pitcher, always pitched well in the clutch. He had he was cold-blooded. He was a two-time All-Star. I think he had a Cy Young finish, a couple of Cy Young finishes in the top ten. He's a good pitcher, Masahiro Tanaka. And was he an ace? No. But was he a good pro? Probably. Daisuke Matsuzaka was good for like a year and a half, and he kind of sucked after that. He regressed really hard, and he was given a fuck ton of money by Boston. The Yankees also, in retaliation for not getting Matsuzaka that one year, went out and signed Keigawa, who was horrible. Fun fact, I think he's only won three starts ever, Keigawa. I went to one Keigawa start, and he won it against the Blue Jays in 2007. That was my first Yankee game that I remember at the old stadium. There's also the whole Hideki Irabu thing. The most notable thing in his career, or the two most notable things, is one, he tried to fight an entire fucking team one time. And two, 
he's most known for uh, being on Seinfeld, and uh, or his name was mentioned on Seinfeld. I, I think I have the clip for that too, if uh, we could pull that up. I think it's a really funny clip, and uh, it's in one of the finales. It's something Steinbrenner is talking on the stand, or he's in the courtroom, and it's a really funny scene. I, I kind of want to play it real quick for the viewers. Uh, just for a reference about how irrelevant these Japanese guys and Korean guys have been as pitchers. Um, Hunjin Ryu's been a good one, too. Uh, oh, we got the clip? We got the clip? All right, uh, let's 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 play it real quick. I'll just play it for the audience. Uh, I think it's a funny one. Call George Steinbrenner. So George Costanza came to work for you in May of 1994? Yes, that's right. He was a good kid, a lovely boy. Shared his cousin with me. That was a heck of a sandwich, wasn't it, George? I Yes, sir, that was a good sandwich. And one little problem, though. What was that? It was a communist. Think as they come, like a big, juicy steak. I'm going to give $12 million to Hideki Irabu. I just think that's funny because that's the most notable thing about Hideki Irabu. Overpaid, never lived up to the hype. Unfortunately, he did take his own life, which is sad, but again, it proves to me the statistics-wise that some of these Japanese guys and Korean guys are taking a big risk. Not everyone is Hunjin Ryu. Not everyone is Dom. Like he's probably like the last really good Korean or Japanese pitchers that's come over. Koji Uhara came over really old, and he pretty much was just a closer. The best guys to come over from the uh, land of the rising sun is easily Ichiro Suzuki, and then I might throw out the name of uh, Hideki Matsui. Those two are probably the best to ever come over from there. It's not uncommon that these guys bust, but it's also not uncommon that these guys become solid players. I think Senga, just because he's old and he's already advanced, he's going to advance a little bit more as he joins the major league scene. I think Senga is going to be a a middle-of-the-road starter. Like He'll eat innings. He'll be a solid number three, number four, which is what the Mets are looking for out of him, I guess. Is it an overpayment for five years? Probably not. Uh, only time will tell with that signing. And uh, I think it's time to move on to the next signing. As we've heard a lot of reports from all over baseball about where guys are going and what pitchers are hearing what. The biggest fish is still out there. However, he hasn't been signed. Carlos Rodon is still a free agent. And... The Giants just said, you know what, screw it. We're going to get another pitcher anyways. We're not going to just sit here and wait on you. The Giants finally make it their second move of this big offseason that they promised. And they go out and get Shamanaya. Is Shamanaya any good? He's he shown flashes of it in Oakland, but... And he had like, a, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a season. He started off the season really nice in San Diego, but... There's a reason he's not coming back to the Padres. Manaya signs a... Two-year deal worth $25 million to play in the Bay Area, just the opposite side of the Bay where he used to play, for $25 million over two years with an opt-out after the first year. Sean Manaya was my number 31 free agent this year. Just because I think the, uh, the Valparaiso native in his first year had a... Uh, a bit of a weird year out in San Diego. It would look silly for anyone to pay him a fortune. I think the Giants kind of overpaid a bit at $25 million. You probably could have got him for 20 at 10 per instead of 
twelve and a half per. You could have saved yourself some money, but he could opt out after a year if he has a good year. I did have Manaya staying in California on my prediction sheet. I had him going to the Angels for one year, ten mil. But uh, that's not the case. He's going to go play for the Giants. The Giants' rotation is going to be interesting. Alex, if they don't bring back Carlos Rodon, Alex Wood is. Ugh. Did I say Alex Wood? Fuck. He had a rough year this year, Alex Wood. Logan Webb. I can't believe I almost said Alex Wood. I'm so sorry, everyone. Logan Webb is their clear-cut ace. They start. They stop and go with him. He's electric. I know he has a PED thing that he got suspended for, but Logan Webb is a very good pitcher, and he's pitched very well. I remember Game 5 of the LDS two years ago now in 2021, or it's going to be two years at some point next year. He pitched a very good start, very quality start against a amazing Dodgers team, and I think for sure that the Giants should have won that series, but that's baseball. It just doesn't work out the way you want it to sometimes. The final signing I want to talk on is actually a big one. We have my number nine overall free agent off the board. That means that only numbers four and five remain in my top ten free agents of the 2022-2023 free agent class. It is a pitcher, so I only have one top flight starter left. There's actually, yeah, there's only one top flight starter left after him. There's like... Or I guess starter left even. You have a former Cy Younger. You have a former. Um, no, you have th- three combined Cy Youngs, or com- between three available free agents that are still out there. We have a former World Series hero, or hero for a team that ended up losing, unfortunately. You have a couple closers, but starters. It's pretty much the market's about to be done. And the top two guys are clearly far and away better than the rest available, despite the metrics I just named. My number nine free agent, Chris Bassett, is officially off the board. Bassett was able to parlay his time with the Mets into a three-year, $63 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays. For $21 million per, Chris Bassett is going to take his talents north of the border into the city of Justin Trudeau and Toronto, the six. I think Toronto addressed one of their big needs this offseason. The Jose Barrios deal is looking like a disaster. Jose Barrios was looking like Oliver Perez on his Mets deal. Jose Barrios was looking like, I don't know, Javier Vasquez when he was a Yankee or Kevin Brown's last year as a Yankee. He was looking like any pitcher that's pitched for the Angels in the last five years, not named Shohei Otani. He's been that bad. Brios has been was terrible, and he's locked into that mega contract. And Brios isn't an ace. We got Fatboy Benoa, who's an ace, and Kevin Gosman, who's really fucking good and has really revived his career nicely. Signed from the Giants last year. So now that rotation is going to be pretty nice. It's going to be pretty nice because right now I think the projected rotation, I don't think Stripling isn't in the factor anymore because Stripling could have went there or stayed there. I don't even remember where Stripling was. But Bassett's someone who has been very good, despite being slightly older than people would like him to be. Chris Bassett is going to be 34 before opening day. He turns 34 on February 22nd. He has a career 3.45 ERA. 
He had a bit of a down year compared to some of his numbers from 2018 to 2021, where over those that four-year span, or, uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, yeah, four-season span, he had a ERA of 3.23, an ERA plus of 130, a FIP of 3.82. He had 29 wins to 14 losses in 70 starts over the course of 77 games. He was an all-star, a two-time top 10 Cy Young Award finisher, in the COVID-shortened year, he had a 2.29 ERA, and in 2021, before he literally died on the field, he had a 3.15 ERA and was one of the favorites in the running for the American League Cy Young until he got hurt in, I think it was late August, early September. He got drilled with a line drive in the face. I believe it was in Chicago that happened. Bassett is a good pitcher. He throws like 7 million different pitches, too, so that's another thing that makes him somewhat versatile. His year with the Mets was take it as you whatever you can. I th- I think it was good. He ate a lot of innings. He pitched 181.2 innings, which is a career high for him, way over his uh, larger amount or his amount of 157 from the year prior. We just got breaking news in the studio, basketball related. If you guys are interested, Pistons guard Kane Cunningham will have season-ending surgery on his left wrist. Not a good sign for the Pistons, who are still rebuilding. Anyways, back to Bassett. Bassett has career numbers that are pretty solid. A bit of a dip in ERA as a, a dip. A bit of a fall off. His ERA jumped to 3.42, which is closer to his 3.45 for his career. He pitched in 30 games, 30 starts. He had a few really nice starts, and he had a few bad ones. His playoff game start will go down as one that leaves a bad taste in Mets fans' mouths. But I think the trade for Chris Bassett was a success for the Mets. He was starting. I think he led the team in starts. He's one of their better pitchers all year, especially when Scherzer went down, when DeGrom was out. He picked up the slack, and he kept the Mets afloat for a while, and more than just afloat. He had a 3.2 war, which wasn't great in war terms. 167 strikeouts over 181.2 innings, a whip of 1.145, which is slightly below his career average of 1.196. The Blue Jays just got an interesting piece here. Because I think Bassett could be a nice starter. For three years, he'll be at the end of it. He will be 37, 38. I think the Blue Jays just got themselves a really nice innings eater. And now they have, I think, a legitimate three-man rotation. Because their projected rotation is probably going to be what? Fatboy Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, Jose Barrios, and Yusei Kikuchi. I think a couple of those guys are due for a fall-off. I think Alec Manoa might be somewhat of a target for a fall-off. Manoa did have a really good year. He finished top three in Cy Young voting, but I don't understand why. He, had, he was 16-7 with a 2.24 ERA, which is all really nice. The last two years, he has led the league in hit by a pitchers by a pitcher. His ERA plus was awesome this year, 1.74. He's young. He's 24 years old, going to be 25. Why is everyone turning like a different age in the months of December, January, and February? I'm convinced all pro ball players are going to be turning a different age right before the season starts. Manoa, the former first-round pick out of West Virginia University. I'm just reading this off his page. I had no idea Alec Manoa went to West Virginia. I knew he was a first-rounder, though. 17th in MVP voting, third in Cy Young Award. I don't even think he's the best pitcher on his staff. 
to be honest with you. The fake tough guy, Alec Manoa, I think he's due for some regression. So is his other staff ace member, Kevin Gosman, who I think is the better pitcher overall. Kevin Gosman was ninth in Cy Young Award voting the year after he was sixth in the National League with his only all-star appearance. Gosman was an all-star snub this year. Gosman did have a bit of a dip in ERA from the year prior to back up to 3.35. We had a couple clunkers in there. But he pitched 174 innings, which was really nice across 31 starts. They kind of eased him into it a bit. His FIP was 2.38, which actually led all of baseball, proving that there was a little bit of bad luck on his side. I think Gosman's going to rebound really nicely here. I like what he brings to the table. He's got a good splitter. I'm not scared of Alec Manoa as a Yankee fan, and I think a lot of teams are a bit scared of him. I'm not. I'm more scared of Kevin Gosman. And now, yeah, Bassett in that rotation, that's a nice compliment to Manoa, who has a good fastball, and to Gosman, who's got nice breaking stuff, an off-speed, like a splitter. It adds a little bit of a difference, and I like it. I genuinely do like the signing of Bassett to Toronto. The only thing they need now is now feel bad. For the Mets, it's kind of like... Cut your losses. You you wanted to bring in Senga. You didn't really entertain bringing Bassett back due to age, I guess, which is weird because he was probably going to be the youngest guy on this staff if you brought him back. I think the Mets' average age in their rotation has got to be like 36 or something, which is unreal how old that is. But, hey, if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. Now, I had Chris Bassett re-signing with the Mets for three years at 52 and a half total. And uh, I was right on the ears. I don't know. It seems like a lot of Mets players either are tr- are from the Blue Jays system, like they were traded to the Mets from like for prospects out of the Blue Jays system or something, like guys from the Steven Matz deal, the R.A. Dickey deal. I don't know. I think it's a weird correlation I have. And then like guys like some other guys just leave the Mets for free agency to go to the Blue Jays. Bassett becomes the next name, joining the likes of Matz and Dickey to go north of the border to go pitch for Toronto. I think this is a fair payment for Bassett, even though I had him signing for less money. I don't even have the Blue Jays on my target list for him, too. Teams I've had targeting him were the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Angels, Rangers, Guardians, and Twins. I thought the Twins for Bassett was a good fit. But I think he slots in a little nicer with Toronto, and I think they're going to be a really good team in the American League East to compete very well with a very young and hungry Baltimore team and a Yankees team that just brought back the league MVP and brought in a nice bullpen arm in Tommy Canely, although he does have the injury concerns with Tommy John. And he's also a little bit older now, but he still throws demons fucking change-ups, some of the nastiest things I've ever seen. But yeah, I like the signing of Mats to Toronto. Now Toronto needs a bat. They desperately need a left a left field bat. Maybe even a left-handed bat. Because they got a lot of righties on that team. They just shedded one of them in Teoscar Hernandez. But we just got to see what's going on now. I don't know what's going to happen with the Blue Jays and their free agency. They usually have spent big the last couple of years, and they've been kind of sitting quiet. If this is their big move, not a bad one. I will applaud it, but I think there's something they're leaving out. The last little piece of information that I have for you on the baseball front is actually pretty big news. It was first reported by 
a very good friend of the podcast, very good friend of the podcast, not necessarily directly, but someone I would be very, very happy to plug, although he probably doesn't need the attention, Mr. Jake Storiali of Talking Baseball, Talking Yanks, Talking Knicks, Waking Jake, John Boy Media. There's so many places I could say that he's from. He's a very talented man, and he's just like me. He's a podcaster. He's someone that's not necessarily involved with getting direct answers from the media. He's not someone that's going to break news. But he had this move before anyone did. Catcher Sean Murphy was dealt from the A's over to the Atlanta Braves in a three-team trade. Parts of the deal include William Contreras, the brother of Wilson, the all-star DH who also had Narco as his walkout song. He is no longer with the Atlanta Braves. He is now going to be shipped up to Milwaukee in the deal. Also getting sent away is Matty Pena, the other catcher they had on the roster. Manny Pena is going to be a Oakland Athletic. So this is the second offseason in a row a Braves catcher has been sent over to the Athletics. Shea Langoliers was sent there. Their top, their, One of their top prospects was sent over there in the Matt Olson deal. Same thing they sent over uh, the center fielder, Christian Pache, who was the number one prospect, who had a really rough 2022 over in Oakland. The uh, full details, Atlanta gets Sean Murphy. Oakland will get... Kyle Mueller, Yasturi Ruiz, who was part of the Josh Hader trade, the super utility man, Freddie Tarnock, Roy Bear Salinas, and catcher Manny Pena. They all go to Oakland. Milwaukee will get William Contreras. They needed a catcher, and I had them in a the market for a catcher. Justin Yeager and Joel Piamps out of the bullpen will join Milwaukee. A big piece of this deal, per Jeff Passett, that he brought up, I forgot about this. Roy Bear Salinas has been extraordinary in the minor leagues. He struck out 175 batters in 109 innings this past year in the minors as a 21-year-old in Class A. If he could get his walks under control, he has a chance to be a pretty good starter for the A's, who just invested in a couple of really good young arms like Ken Waldachuk. J.P. Sears is a little older for a prospect, but J.P. Sears is also someone who's looked very good as a Yankee and struggled a little bit outside of Yankee Stadium when he moved to Oakland. Uh, James Caprillion is a former top prospect who has potential, but he also has looked horrible at times. And I feel bad for James Caprillion. Um, I think a duo of Ken Waldachuk and Roy Salinas is going to be very good. I don't know what they're going to do with Manny Pena. I guess now you have two really good catching prospects. If you still count Langoliers as one, they also have, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Tyler Sodersum. Um I'm going to look this up real quick. He's top 30. I think it is, uh, I got to find the athletics top. Oh, Tyler Sodersum or Soderstorm. He's one of their top uh, prospects. He's a catcher as well. Soderstorm is not a top 10 prospect like I thought he was. I'm going to go to top 30 by Oakland real quick. I'm just going to make I just want to make sure I'm right with this. Yes, their top prospect, he's a catcher and a first baseman Soderstorm. So they might kick him to first base then if they're going to have Manny Pena on the roster. Yeah, their top prospect didn't do all that bad in triple a although it was nine games at 297 
He finished the year combined between high A, double A, and triple A, hitting 267 with a 324 on base, 501 slugging, 825 OPS. 145 strikeouts is a lot, but he also hit 29 bombs and 105 RBIs in a full minor league season. That's pretty nice for Tyler Soderstrom. They also have Ken Waldachuk, who's in the majors now. And with the acquiring Estori Ruiz, he would be their sixth overall prospect. I like the move of Ruiz because he could play anywhere on the field, and that's a nice piece for Oakland. However, this Oakland lineup over the last couple of years is just unrecognizable, and what they're doing to the city of Oakland should be malpractice. They had Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Mark Canna, uh, Josh Harrison, Elvis Andrews, who was still pretty solid at the time, um, Sean Murphy, who's now no longer there. They had a bunch of really nice young pieces or a good, fun team to watch who could have been a very good team. They also had pictures of Frankie Montas, Sean Manaya. They're not there anymore. It's a shame. Uh, Sean Manaya just sent the text out that was just tweeted. It said he's very excited to get back to the Bay. He's always loved it up there. I guess that kind of ties into me talking about Oakland. But anyways, it sucks. It sucks if you're an A's fan. And now that their stadium deal, it, Robert Manfred's not confident that they'll get it done. I know there's talks about how we're terminal, but I don't think it's going to get done. The stadium design was cool, although it would not seat a lot of people. Speaking of stadium designs, the Rays pitched 1-2 for St. Petersburg, and it actually looks kind of cool, but it's a glass dome, which is a little weird. But anyways... It's just the Atlanta Braves will always make big trades like this. It looks like it looks like the Sean Murphy extension for like 12 years for 13 million seems inevitable. I don't know. I'm just saying that because I actually don't know what they're going to pay him. It's just going to be another year of Atlanta Braves dominance, it looks like. They bring back most of their rotation. They just got to figure out shortstop. They now have a platoon at catcher of Sean Murphy and Travis Darno, Two all-star catchers. What team has had a platoon of two all-star catchers in my lifetime? Besides someone who was a former all-star and that's washed. Like, for example, I know one year the Yankees had Jorge Posada and Russell Martin, but Jorge wasn't catching anymore. Another example is the Yankees traded for Padre Rodriguez one year. He was washed. Not a lot of superstar platoons anymore out there, but hey, you got one out in Atlanta. Atlanta's lineup is going to look really nice next year. You got Michael Harris, Austin Riley, Oscar Albies, Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Darno slash Murphy. You're going to have hopefully one eye Eddie comes back and plays to form. And then, unfortunately, you don't know who's going to play shortstop. It's looking, by the day at this point, it's looking like Dansby Swanson is less and less. Like, the odds of him being a Brave is less and less. I've heard teams like the Red Sox, the Cubs, which is where his girlfriend plays professional soccer, or his wife plays professional soccer. Those two teams have been in on him. And the Dodgers could seem to reunite him with Freddie Freeman. And I think Dansby would fit the Dodgers. I do have Dansby here. I actually made a mistake earlier when I said I had only two of the top ten free agents left. 
I actually have a third. I completely scrolled over Dansby Swanson, who actually had ahead of Xander, Bassett, and Contreras. I had Xander, not Xander, Dansby resigning with the Braves for seven years, 177. But we'll see about that one. I don't think that one's going to be right. So far out of my top ten, I haven't gotten a lot right. I've only gotten two correct, which is kind of sad. It's currently seen now, speaking of the available guys, Rodon, the holdup with him is he wants a seventh year. As also, I think, also has a little bit of collusion from uh, his super agent, Scott Boris, who is known for making contracts talks drag out this long and making deals hard at times. But, hey, ultimate respect for Boris. He gets the most out of his clients. He gets them the money they want. Correa, same guy, another Boris guy. He switched over to Boris after last uh, offseason. He is not... I don't know what's going on with him. It's looking like by the day he's less likely to return to the Twins, although he likes playing in Minnesota. He said he really enjoyed his time. I just don't see it at this point. It seemed like the Giants are the front runner. although the Giants do have a top prospect that is a shortstop. I think he's another guy, might be top 10, might not be. Very young kid, very raw, but he's a shortstop. They might move him off the position. They also have Tyro Estrada, who's a nice second base piece and could play anywhere in the infield. Former Yankee. They cut him instead of Tyler Wade, and that makes me sick to my stomach. Tyler Wade, fuck you if you're listening to this. You suck. But I think uh, Correa might be a giant by this time next week. I think Rodon still is looking like a Yankee. I think the Yankees are the only team that's going to even give him close to what he's asking. He wants seven years, but I think the Yankees will be going to five with a vesting option for six. I have the prediction in here, Yankees, four years, 110, and opt out after year three, but we'll see. Yeah, not a whole lot left. We're getting down to the very, very bottom. It goes now my best remaining free agents available. I have Rodon at one, Correa at two. Dansby Swanson at three. Number four is Trey Mancini. Noah Syndergaard is fifth. J.D. Martinez is sixth. Number seven on my list is Araldis Chapman. Then Joey Gallo, Nathan Avaldi, and, and Craig Kimbrell line out my top ten remaining free agents. I believe that's ten, right? Yeah, I think it's ten. I wasn't a math major, people, so if I miscounted, I'm sorry. All right. We have some football news to talk about as well. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys signed a wide receiver today to a one-year contract. He'll play the remainder of this year. A very established wide receiver, one of the best in the 2010s, one of the better wide receivers of recent memory. And it's not Odell Beckham. I'm a little disappointed that it's not Odell Beckham. The Dallas Cowboys have signed T.Y. Hilton to a one-year contract. Hilton is just 300-plus yards away from hitting 10,000 on his career. He led the league in yards, I believe, back in 2015. From 2014 to 2017, he was a pro bowler. He was a very good wideout for his time. He did not play last year after some injuries slowed him down in 2020 to 21. He did not play the 2021 to 22 season. He will finish out the year in the blue at the star in Dallas, Texas. They were most likely going to cut 
James Washington, or they're going to move Jalen Tolbert to injured reserve and he'll be done for the year. I don't mind signing T.Y. Hilton, but knowing Odell is out there is painful. He might not play this year, Odell, because of the injury at this point. I don't think anyone's going to offer him a contract. But I had the Cowboys signing Odell, and I was with Troy Aikman on this one. Why not throw the house on Odell? Get the best receiver available. But, you know, sometimes some things just don't play out the way you want them to play out. And that's just baseball, Susan. Well, I know it was a short episode. Some other news is Debo Samuel is out for a few weeks, it looks like, with a knee, not knee, an ankle injury. It was a very scary one that we saw yesterday. We got some football tonight. We're going to have New England taking on the Cardinals. It's a good week for Kyler Murray to finally win a game, but he might not. I don't think he will, but regardless, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be very low scoring. If you are a betting person, take the under. They're not going to score over 30 combined points. They suck. I think that's going to really wrap it up here in the studio. Merch leak will drop tomorrow on the Instagram page and maybe on the TikTok page too. It's been awesome to be back in the studio. It's awesome to see the viewership keep increasing podcast to podcast. I'd like to see a little bit more viewership on these next ones coming out. As I promise, they're all going to be better episodes. I know some people don't care for the length, and if you don't care for the length, that's fine. Maybe I'll post some highlights on TikTok once I get the camera working. Camera coming soon. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have a special guest. We're going to have a special podcast on Wednesday. I'm not going to be able to record on Tuesday. I know I said my regular schedule is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So instead, we're going to have a Wednesday episode. Tuesday, I'm not going to be able to be in the studio, which is tomorrow, because I have a few things going on, including celebrating my father's birthday. Happy birthday to Sal Sapola. He'll be turning 61 years old this year. Right? 61? 2022? Yeah. He'll be 61 years old. One of my, He's my role model. He's someone I look up to every day. He's a person. Without him, I would be lost in life. He is... I, there's no words to describe him. He is someone that has really earned what he has gotten over his whole life and his career. I look up to you, Dad. You're an inspiration to me every day to keep pursuing my dreams. You helped me go to college. You helped me realize some dreams. You took, gave me some of the best advice out there. And you told me some things that have stuck for me and will never go away. And I'll always remember them. Dad, if you're listening, I love you. And I still think you'd be able to average more yards per carry than Najee Harris of the Steelers this year. That's going to do it there. Happy birthday, Dad. Um... Merry Christmas to everyone. It's coming up soon. I know I'm just going to say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, wherever you want to hear. Um, excited for that kind of season. Make sure you go get your gifts for your friends and family because it's getting hard. I was at the mall the other day, and it's getting hard. We're running low on stuff. Go get them now. Don't wait till the last minute. Don't be a last-minute shopper. I can't wait to spend the holiday with friends and family. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. I will see you next time. I'll see you Wednesday with a special guest. I can't wait to announce it. I'm gonna that announcement will be up tomorrow night or Wednesday morning. I'll see you then. Peace out, everyone.